We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Newcastle got a 1-1 draw at Wolves in spectacular fashion. As it turned out, I'm Alex Hirsch, Charlotte Robson, Simon Campbell and Norman Riley are here to talk to you about the point the unbeaten run continuing, and ultimately, uh, a good a good point in my opinion as we head to Liverpool on Wednesday, which will surely be a much more difficult challenge. Quick point from me: we're on Patreon. We do loads more of exactly these type of podcasts for eight pounds a month. Not going to lie, if we sign two players this week, which I think everyone hopes we will, we'll probably get up to like twenty podcasts this <laughs> week alone for two quid a week. So if you like what we do, you want to keep the show free. Um, Please come and join us also you get all of the podcasts without the advertisements. But enough of that. Norman, you were in the away end at Wolves yesterday, mate. Can you tell me, the people with me and our fantastic listeners, if you thought it was a good point or not? It was a good point, mate, because I think when you're 1-0 down, heading into injury time, and you pull a neat rise out of the bag, you take it. And look, Wolves, despite the fact they haven't won this season, despite the fact that a terrible end to last season, they've spent a lot of money this summer. I think they've invested wisely. They've brought in some good players. I think they're a club in a bit of transition still. They aren't as bad as the results suggest. They played particularly well in the first half, I thought. And we dominated the second half. It was the absolute cliche game of two halves. And I think on reflection, a draw... Possibly a fair result. You look at the statistics, it looks like we dominated the game. You look at the expected goals, it looks like we should have been clear of them. And you could argue that's the case. Obviously, after we equalised, we had numerous chances to win the game. But trying to look at it as objectively as possible, I'm happy with the point. And obviously, the way the point came as well, the, the fact the goal was frankly outrageous just puts the shine on it. So I, I, think, it's a, I think it's a good point. And again, this is a huge cliche, but... Most away games in the Premier League pre-match, you'll take a point as an away fan. You just think, as long as you don't get beat, we'll keep this little run going, we'll be our eat. Obviously, there is the argument that we wasted an opportunity. As I say, we had plenty of chances at the end of the game, but I'm not going to dwell on that. I'm going to look at the fact we did create those chances. We came back from a goal down. We equalised in injury time. You unbeaten run guns on. Good point, in my opinion. Yeah, spot on, mate. And and I think most fans pre-game, particularly looking at the lineup, would have taken a point. Newcastle are missing... Bruno Gomares, they're missing Callum Wilson, also missing Alexander Isaac because he can't play for us yet, uh, as well as John Joe Shelby. That's four players that instantly you would almost say transform that team. So to go to Wolves under 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 th- those circumstances and an additional, like you say, that's a massive game for Wolves. They got really hard fixtures coming up. They're ten games without a win in the Premier League. 
this was the fixture that their manager, their players and their fans had probably looked at and thought we'd need to win this game. Then they see the team sheet, what fortune for them that Bruno's out and they still couldn't beat us. And, I, and I, it's interesting, Norman, because I actually thought Newcastle w- were the better team overall. And I thought if either side was worthy of winning that game, it was only Newcastle United. I thought that, we're, we're, like you say, Norman, Eddie, Eddie Howe agrees with you. Um, second half, Newcastle were much better than, than they were first half. But I still think that Newcastle controlled the game. Nick Pope's not made a save. I can't think of a of a Pope, Nick Pope, a save Nick Pope has made to go away from home in, in the Premier League and defend that well and be in that position. And people almost be a little bit disappointed with the performance and a little bit disappointed with the draw. Some people are. Um, it kind of speaks to the progress, and, and there is that kind of contrast to Wolves away last year when Wolves were shit and still beat us comfortably two one, even though the scoreline was close. The game wasn't. We've come to Wolves this season, not been at our best, not had the resources that we'd like to have available to us, and still there's only one team going to win that game, and that's incredibly promising to me. Um, Sai, your take on 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 the, the conversation? Yeah, I, I agree with you both to an extent. I, I I probably would go one further and thought we we were very unlucky yesterday. I thought um, Wolves' goal came very much against the run of play. Um, you know, they had, they had an early chance, and then it, we pretty much dominated. And yes, um, you could say. It was similar to Brighton and similar to the first half against Nottingham Forest in as much as we had some great chances and didn't take them. I mean, even if you ignore the uh, the tug on Sean Longstaff's shirt, which would it should be a penalty, but then Willock should still be scoring that goal. It's, it's a terrible, terrible miss. And at 1-0, I don't think they, they come back into that game because they looked like they looked like us from previous seasons. They looked like a team that was so nervous and ultimately they did in Newcastle and they, they just never looked confident of seeing out that game. And they, they're probably thinking, phew, at the, at the draw in the end, you know, because we scored and then and could have scored again. So, yeah, I think we were unlucky not to win that game. I thought the performance was perfectly good um, against a side that's still got some excellent football players in it. You know, we're not we're not going to blow teams like Wolves away. We're going to have to work hard and try and try and grind out a result there. And we very nearly did. So, in my opinion, it was it was a two points drop, but not because we didn't play well enough. I thought the performance was there. I thought the effort levels were there. We, You know, the fact that we got an injury time uh, equaliser is is testament to that. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't say much bad about our our game yesterday. Just just unlucky not to get the win. I think it's sort of like I totally agree with you. Si. I think I think it's just it's where we are with who we have available, isn't it? Like we we don't have our our like star players available at the moment, and we still manage to sort of grind out that win. Like work really hard. To your point, the injury time equaliser. Like imagine twelve months ago, how exhausted our players were after sixty minutes of play. There's no way they would <laughs> still be in the game at, at ninety minutes, still trying to tr- still trying to score a goal. And and past that, we had eight minutes of stoppage time, and we're still we're pressing that whole eight minutes. Like that's just it's so encouraging to me. And yeah, it was there was like you're right about Willock, and and I'm sure we'll talk about Wood, but I I, I just think this is a transformed team and. And we were the better, better side yesterday. We were the better side. Again, I look at the statistics and it does reflect the fact that, or it makes it look like we dominated. But I think if you look at certain comments after the match, and this isn't me being down on the performance at all, right? Because in the second half, we were brilliant and we did control the game. In the first half, I think you have to look at how Wolves play. And we did have quite a lot of the ball and it did look like we were in control, but we weren't threatening we had the Willock chance obviously and it every time Wolves got the ball they did look more dangerous I mean I think how more or less alluded to that in his post-match comments I think uh, Pete Davey of uh, True Faith he 
also put something on Twitter. He was at the match. He kind of saw it in a very similar way. Sean, who was with someone in a similar way, and people around me. So there was a period for about sort of 30, 40 minutes where I think the massive loss, the big difference was actually Bruno Guimaraes not playing. It took a while for Longstaff to get in the game. Neves was running the show, really, and the other lad, Nunes, but Neves in particular was getting a lot of space. And I think once the players worked out to close him down, to close that space down, that's when we started to put my you know, put my footprint on the match when when we really started taking control. And at this point, Jolinton started looking really up for it. And as soon as, as soon, it was almost like a, a, a sort of switch had flipped. And as soon as we kind of worked out, actually just closed down the space on Neves, we can control this. And that's exactly what happened. And we did control for 40 or 50 minutes. And the good play in the second half was excellent. Um, we did create good chances. But, you know, I, I think... Coming away from it, I'm coming away from it thinking, yes, it, it, it's three points. It should have been three points, but ultimately, you know, I'm, I'm delighted with I'm delighted with the point, despite the fact we probably should have won. I'm still delighted with the point, and it's everything I saw yesterday pointed towards progress, and that's the main thing, right? That's the main thing this season is progression on what happened last season. I think we saw evidence of that yesterday. Yeah, uh, there is there is part of Newcastle United at the minute away from home, which isn't quite as all conquering as we are at home like at home everyone seems to know their job everyone seems to be aware of what to do we have the home fantastic home crowd on our back as well which is great and then away from home it just it just doesn't seem to quite have worked yet but it, it, it's a weird one and I don't want to be too critical yesterday because of the players that were missing but it's almost like the players are still not doing quite what how wants to do in terms of just being an all-out aggressive pressing side away from home um, and we, we tend to start games very well and then, like you say, normal when Wills came into it a little bit more, we step off a bit, and Eddie Howe almost had to get them in at half time and say, "Come on, lads, just fucking get into these, that shite." <laughs> Which I think they are. I think Wolves are, 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 are genuinely a poor side. And you know, your point there about Wolves kind of taking control in the first half for, for a period, I agree. I think Wolves themselves have no confidence in the penalty area. I don't think they thought they were going to score a goal. I thought if I was a Wolves fan, their attempts at one nil to finish the game. They essentially just just tried to play for a counter-attack, which they very nearly got until the correct decision was made. How the referee didn't see that live. Normally, I imagine it was right in front of you in the away end. It was right in front of us on TV. The referee had the best seat in the house for that foul and didn't give it. Probably a little bit cowardly refereeing, thinking I don't have to make a decision here because the decision will be made for me. Um, or maybe just thought, listen, the, the only way we're going to score here is a counter-attack, so I let them score. You know, I, that, that's, the, that's the annoying thing for me is that for all every team you play away from home, particularly, it's going to have a spell. They're going to have a period. They might even have a half where they dictate what's going on. I thought we could have been a little bit braver first half. We could have pushed a little bit higher. Um, we could have done all the things that we did in the second half. And I think I think that's what Eddie Howell in the post match says. He wants he wants us to be braver from the start. Having said that, with the players that we had available, like we've said at the top of the show, points are good result away from home. It is obviously I mentioned Bruno before. Wilson was a huge loss as well. That's not a criticism of Chris Wood, by the way. He didn't get much service, but ultimately his mobility, his ability to read the game is nothing like Callum Wilson's. It's as simple as that. I think you put Alexander Isak up top uh, yesterday. If we had the opportunity to do that, it may have made a difference. But what I will comment on is the ref, mate. You brought up that Fraser decision there. It was right, I was right. It was right in front of us. It was absolutely atrocious that he allowed it to play on. It was a ridiculous decision. But the referee in general yesterday was shocking. I mean, really shocking. If that's a Premier League referee, then good Lord. I mean, we really need to look at how they're being trained. Because, look, he was 
He wasn't necessarily imbalanced. You know, it was definitely a penalty. Longstaff's was a penalty, clear as day. There was an incident in the first half where Wood went for the ball, and I think it was Nathan, um, was it Nathan Collins? Had his arms, I mean, I'm talking not just on him, wrapped around him. The referee looking at it direct on, and I just screamed. I was like, what are you seeing here? But also, you know, you have to look at the Shea challenge. The Shea challenge was a shocking challenge as well. So he was just a very, very bad referee. I don't think there was any necessary bias one way or the other. We probably got the worst decision, the fact that we should have had a penalty. But ultimately, just a shocking referee. I can't quite get my head around the fact that he's a Premier League ref. Just on the um, the, the Fraser foul, um, fair enough. Yeah, VAR, they've brought it back and it's a blatant foul and they've cancelled the goal. But what if, what if they got into a box and got a penalty? What if they got a corner? What if they got a free kick outside the box? They wouldn't have gone back for that VAR decision. Mm-hmm. It's like you say, it's right in front of them, Dodds. That, that, that's not good enough. That's 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 ridiculous because there's so many ways that could disadvantage us for, for no good reason. The fact that they scored is the only reason we get that to, to, to come back to, to turn over. So, yeah, I, I'm very, very worried that decisions like that are happening, which could have severely impacted the result of that match and it is it is maybe that feeds into the Ruben Nevers interview post game where he's like we're really unlucky we deserve to win Um, they didn't want the ball Mm -hmm. the play long balls when statistics and anyone who watched the game show that Wolves played more long balls than us we dominated possession and had nearly twice as many shots and three times as many corners but that you know that's not how people think Rashi's they think we should have had a goal at 2-0 and they should have Manson off when I don't don't think neither are true I think you know Charles was maybe a, a dark yellow because watching it on the replay he doesn't actually know the player's coming across him so he's just trying to, he's just trying to kick the ball he's just trying to come down on the ball the player comes in from the side and he has no idea that the, the, the lad's foot's there but it is interesting isn't it that Wolves feel, and the Wolves manager as well feels they deserve to win the game I think that's a big problem for Wolves that's the performance you want to churn out lads against a much diluted Newcastle United and still be dominated in the way you were for the past the last 40 minutes uh, you've got problems ahead we are going to um, stop now for some adverts, um, as is the want of our paymasters. Um, <laughs> Charlotte and I are going to read the adverts this week um, because apparently that makes you more likely to click the links or visit the websites. Take it away, Charlotte. Hey, guys. Champions League soccer is back. That's good, isn't it? We all say soccer, so I love that. <laughs> Streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Nine months of heart-stopping, hold-your-breath exhilaration starts September 6th with the biggest stars, top teams and craziest fan bases across Europe. Surely there'll be a gap for the World Cup though as well. Um, Watch every match from the group stage through the knockout rounds as Benzema and Real Madrid defend their title against Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, PSG, Barcelona and more in soccer, brackets football's biggest club competition. So don't miss a single sweat-soaked second of regulation time, which I just think means normal time, stoppage time, and extra time. And stream every match of the UEFA Champions League live starting September 6th, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. If you're not going to sign up to Paramount Plus after that, I don't know what you're doing. Does that, does that say sweat filled? Sweat. Soaked. Uh, sweat, sweat soaked. Sweat soaked. <laughs> it's, it's pretty erotic. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't think I'll be able to match that eroticism, but NordVPN. Uh, NordVPN gives you full creative freedom when it comes to the presentation of your ad below some guidelines. But this is a banter. I'm reading out the instruction. I thought you were going to laugh. Very Never good. mind. <laughs> 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 I'll start it properly. Doing a bit of banter. Newcastle are unbeaten anything's possible. Um, <laughs> are you missing out on your favourite show because it's not available in your region? Try keeping your private time private. Well, let me introduce NordVPN. Uh, if you're bored of UK Netflix... 
because it said US because US company. Yeah. Uh, why not take it for a spin in the US using NordVPN and a click of a button, you can do just that. Uh, no need to travel to Japan for your favourite anime. Oh, thank God. <laughs> when NordVPN brings, brings it right to you with 5,000 plus server options, no show is out of your reach. Using the link at the bottom of the description of this podcast, you can receive a huge discount on a two-year plan and get a month free. We all love to binge. Don't know what binge means in particular because it doesn't specify. I assume binge it means television, shows, television, yeah, television shows. shows. But privacy is a big deal too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. NordVPN have also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Amazing. Don't forget, there is literally no risk to your 30-day trial with a money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, we will pretend this awkward thing never happened. Don't blame me if it doesn't work. (laughs) I'm just reading out the ads. Check out the link in the description to this podcast. Um, please click it. it. It makes us look good to our paymasters. You can do um, it. You can probably go on NordVPN and get Paramount Plus. Yeah, to watch the Champions League. How, what a win. Probably cheaper than paying for BT. Um, uh, get your code and subscription today. Right, Simon, part two of the show. We did it. Uh, you're very pleased about the impact of the bench and the subs for a change. Yeah, we've been pretty much talking all season so far with the transfer window still open about how weak our bench looks before each game even yesterday I was sitting there thinking you know what there's not much there that's going to impact this game um I was wrong I was absolutely wrong um I actually thought that not playing mighty target from the start was a mistake from from the manager um I love Dan Byrne I think he's excellent he's a great defender but Maximan looks so isolated and so easily marked out the game when he hasn't got a fullback joining him or bombing on or linking up with him. Uh, as soon as Matty Target came on the pitch, it opened up Maxi a little bit um, to the point where he scored scored the equaliser, obviously. But just generally, Matty Target overlapping, Matty Target linking up with him and, and, and playing balls off him. Um, the same with Ryan Fraser. I thought Fraser, I mean, it was an interesting sub um, taking off our centre forward for, for Ryan Fraser. <laughs> more, more on him soon. Yeah. Um, to play the three wingers as our, as our front three, but it kind of worked. There was... I don't know who was playing where, because it was almost like three free rolls, but but the stage in the match it was, I think it kind of worked. It was just about trying to find a breakthrough, and we weren't going to get it from putting the ball in the centre forward, clearly. So, I mean, um, ironically, I would have liked to see Matty Target from the start of the game, if you're going to play Chris Wood up front, because in terms of service, he did, Norman's right, he didn't get much service. So if Matty Target's playing, you're going to get more balls in the box in that, in that sense. But yeah, um, I thought they made a big difference, and then we got to about 84 minutes, I think, and we still haven't made the breakthrough. So two more subs. Anderson and um, Jacob Murphy. I mean, we're all kind of rolling our eyes when Jacob Murphy comes <laughs> on the pitch, but the goal comes through him. The goal comes from a ball over oh. the top, and his he, he doesn't it's he doesn't put shout. the cross in. You're right. It's, it's it's a defensive error, but he has to make that defensive error sorry, because Murphy's in behind. I'm sorry, Sai. Come on, Let, we have to give credit where it's due. We we'll have to, but but and, it's due here. It's, it's, it's due here. No. Like Jacob Murphy, just it's a bit like the Chris Wood thing, and we'll, we'll come back to your points. I've stopped you mid flow. But Chris Wood gets a lot of credit for just doing things you'd expect footballers to do, like run, like filling it right back when someone's <laughs> out of position. And it's like Jacob Murphy, when someone plays the ball over the top, and, you know, he, he's there and it takes two of them to stop him doing it. But what the fuck? The, the, the Wolves player should just put the ball out of play or kick it properly. I can't give Jacob Murphy any credit for their player not being able to kick a ball properly. Yeah. All right, in that case, we'll, we'll move on to Elliot Anderson, who did impact <laughs> the game. Um, I thought Anderson just, just gave us a new lease of life. There, there was there was energy there. There was strength. He was usually you know, battling for the ball. 
winning it high up the pitch and also just linking up, doing little one-twos, got himself into the box once or twice. There was, you know, some some scuffed chances. Um, and then, of course, there's a header in the 80, uh, 96th minute or whatever it was, which could have won us the game. And only because Ruben Neves is literally on his head as well. It, it, the defender does just enough to to force him to, to not score from three yards, which sounds ridiculous. But I think I think if you've got a player only that tight, it is much more difficult. Um, but Anderson was excellent. I think he, we said at the start of the season, he's the sort of player who's going to get minutes with this five sub rule. He's going to get minutes to impact games. That's the exact kind of game you want him to impact. And he had that desired effect on the on the outcome of the match. He, he gave us something new. He gave them something to worry about. Some of our players were, were running, out of, running out of steam. And that whole kind of energy level, never give up pressing until the, the final whistle was only made possible because of these these four subs coming on the pitch because in previous seasons or even even earlier this year, we would probably run out of energy by 60, 70 minutes because we didn't have enough legs to bring on the pitch. So Fraser, Murphy, I'll include, Anderson and Target just gave us that extra energy to, to keep pushing until we got that equaliser and should have won the game. Yeah, to be fair on Murphy for a sec, you know, Wolves really clearly struggled with balls in behind and that I think... I think even just when Fraser came on initially, we got in behind them. I mean, Chris Wood got in behind in the first minute and didn't do very well. But everyone else, you know, was really struggled to turn walls around. And Fraser mm. comes on, and all of a sudden, um, when ASM moved, we initially thought ASM moved to the right in Almiron in the middle, but it looked like ASM was just playing through the middle, which never works ever. Mm. But that is before coming back to praise, and that's that's the Chris Wood problem. Now he played the full game. Or maybe the full game at Tranmere, did he? Chris Wood. Yeah, Chris Wood. I think so. He definitely yeah. played, and maybe that had something to do with him being taken off. What an impact that he made on that game that you don't even remember if he played the full <laughs> amount of minutes or not. Even though he scored the winner. <laughs> he did. He did score the winner, and well done to him. Uh, but, but like, Newcastle signed a £60 million player to be better than Chris Wood. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Chris Wood is probably Newcastle's third choice in that position. There aren't many Premier League teams that have a third-choice striker at all, so we're, we're possibly fortunate in that respect. But it, it is a problem that, or at least yesterday, Wolves just aren't concerned about Chris Wood. They're just not, they're not bothered about him. And <laughs> it is quite bad that when you're a striker, you're being taken off with like 25, 30 minutes to go when your team's chasing a goal. Maybe there was an injury in there. Maybe it's tiredness. I don't know. There, there are all sorts of mitigating circumstances that we might not know about. I just can't wait to see someone else play ahead of him and that's how good Wilson is hopefully that's how good he's it's going to be it is interesting that the, the two probably the apart from Trippier the two best, best crosses of the ball are Target and Fraser, Fraser. and and Chris would got to spend no time on the pitch with either of them but Eddie Howe and Jason Tindall they know this and they still took him off that's me concerned about Chris Wood I suspect it was just I mean exhaustion he doesn't play full games very often and then he played one on Wednesday and then was expected to play most like he played most of yesterday so I think it's got to have been his legs are tired he's, he, he doesn't move loads anyway like he's just not he's not going to get into the right spot and um and secondly so Norman talked about um and him not getting a lot of service but I, I it's almost like the Wolves players who just aren't worried about him. He comes on and they think, well, he's not a he's not a, a a force, like an attacking force, is he? I don't think our players think that he is either. I don't think our players are like, I'm going to send him the ball because he's not going to do anything with the ball. There is definitely a bit of that, a bit of a, like a trust. Maximan just refuses, refuses yeah. to pass the ball to Chris Wood. He won't cross it, he won't pass it. He cuts inside and tries to shoot every single time. 
Um, what I will give Chris Wood, and I agree with what you're saying, Dodds, this isn't enough to say he's had a really good game, but he is part of that front three that's pressing all the time. He is running around. He's he's harrying defenders. He's doing a lot of off-the-ball work, and he is being a, a general nuisance. That doesn't make him a great centre-forward, but he is contributing. And therefore, if he if if he's tired after 60 minutes, that's why. Um, I agree that if we want to finish in the top six, you need more from your centre-forward than being a bit busy and, and being a nuisance. But I still think he's working hard. I don't think it's through lack of effort. I think he just doesn't have the quality that we're now looking for as a as a top half team. Oh, yeah, um, he was he was signed when we were nineteenth. He was signed exactly. for nineteenth place, wasn't he? Um, it is it is quite it is that whole like Mitrovic Wood type. Mm. Like, do you do you want Mitrovic who, who's lazy essentially or used to be when he played for Newcastle, but is a goal threat, or do you want Chris Wood who plays for the team who gives you one hundred percent, but but isn't a goal threat? Norman, mate. Chris Wood is a player who has absolutely nothing in common with the team that he's playing in. The way that Howe wants to play football, the style of football that we play, it's just he's not capable or he doesn't have not capable that's harsh. He does not have the abilities, the right abilities for this particular team. So when I say he's starved of service in that particular team, I mean I didn't say I don't think I said star, but he wasn't getting any service. What Chris Woods needs is basically uh, balls whipped into his head all the time. I mean, that's exactly what he got at Burnley, right? It was long balls in the box. It was um Ashley Westwood pumping balls over the top. It was Dwight McNeil throwing balls in, Matt Loughton throwing balls in from the right-hand side and him challenging for them. And we don't play that style of football. We've got players who can cross the ball fantastically well. We know that. But the pace of football that, that we play, the way that we break forward, Wood doesn't have, for a start, he doesn't have the pace to, to adapt to that system. But also, even when we kind of, we're playing this high-pressing game, playing the ball along the ground, he just doesn't have the right abilities for the team. And you look at the teams that he played for prior to Newcastle. He played for Gary Monk's Leeds basically a long ball team, and he played for Sean Dyche's Burnley, and he's come to Newcastle for half a season to weaken a relegation opponent. And, you know, our third choice strike, and it was basically a first choice strike of a Premier League team last season. You know, I mean, this this player was brought in to do a very specific job, and I think he will probably be gone, maybe in the January transfer window, possibly the end of me, not possibly more than likely the end of next season. So I, I find it difficult to criticise him because I just don't think he fits the system. So when he's put in the team... Um, I try and support him. However, I don't think we'll see him start in many more games. So Newcastle now that we've got Isak and obviously Wilson to come back. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Um, just quickly then, Sai, you, you touched on Anderson there. Um, really, really positive. That little uh, cameo from him it made things happen. You hit the bar. It, it, it's, yeah. it's it's a really hard chance because he's, he's off the ground when he heads it and he's got Ruben Neves on his back trying to put him off. But God, what a... What a, what a story that would have been. Um, I'm just really impressed by how calm he is in the ball. He's not rushed. Yeah. He, do, he doesn't kind of, he doesn't let opposition force him to do things he doesn't want to do when he's on the ball. Um, he definitely, bet. he definitely has faith in himself, doesn't he? He's confident. He will, <laughs> he will take another touch. He will look up. He doesn't, he doesn't rush. He doesn't look like a, a player who's been thrown in at the deep end, who panics and wants rid of the ball really quickly. He wants the ball. He's screaming for the ball off his teammates. And he wants it back once he's laid it off. And for a lad who's probably like five nine, five ten, he, he's not the tallest but he's, he's, he's put on a bit of bulk, hasn't he? He's looking very strong and um, and built, so he's, he's he's definitely being groomed, for want of a better word, to be a Premier League midfielder, and I think he looks good enough. He looks good enough. Well, that's the thing. It's To me, having seen very little of him, I really like him. I don't know if he, he's a front three player rather than a, a midfield three. I, I could be wrong, but he does all his best stuff in and around the opposition penalty box. That's where you want him. That's where he comes alive rather than in a, in his own half. Not to say he can't do things with the ball, or off the ball even, 
in his own half. But that just from what I've seen of him so far in, in the friendly that he started, and then also uh, this game, he, he he looks like a real threat. Which is it's it's as a young player, it's very difficult to influence that end of the pitch. It's so young with so little first team football experience. I mean, he's only played like handful of games at Bristol City and a couple of times for us, Norman. Rose Norman. Just want to say at a size point on Anderson's height, he's 5'10", which in my opinion is exceptionally tall, to be honest with you. I wish I was <laughs> um, No, but uh, what I wanted to say was he was fantastic when he came on. He played, what, 15 minutes, more or less, if you include the huge amount of injury time, and he was superb. He was all over the pitch. He does look like he's got the stamina to last, I would say, a good 70, 80 minutes at that level. I mean, the players themselves, I can, actually, I can develop on a, on a wider point, Jack, because I can bring ESM in in terms of the players' fitness and determination. That Wolves goal that they scored that was disallowed, I don't know if anyone noticed, but ESM, it was a corner from us. It was a poor target corner when it got cleared at the front post. They broke. ESM chased back from their box all the way and he almost made it. That was ESM, by the way, a player who's often criticised for his lack of defending or, or ability to get back. He ran the full length of the pitch. I just wanted to add that input on Anderson. I, he looks incredibly fit in your right yeah. side. The size of the lad, he's really bulked up. And I think sending him out to Bristol Rovers, did him the world of good. I don't know if you remember, but many years ago, um, Bobby Robson sent Ollie Bernard out on loan to Darlington, so a bottom division side, to air quotes, toughen him up. And I think we've probably seen that with Elliot Anderson. He's come back from Bristol Rovers looking harder, leaner and meaner. And he's obviously a brilliant footballer as well. And I think we have to thank Joey Barton because Joey Barton, it wouldn't surprise me. And this is com- this is just a complete lie that I'm telling you, but I'm sure he'd probably just put steroids in his tea. You know what I mean? Wouldn't put a passport <laughs> <laughs> Anderson comes back big and hench. I, I love it. He's genuine competition for Joe Willock. Um, I think you're right, Alex. I, d- I, d- I don't see him as um, he's not he's not going to replace Bruno or, or Joe Linton as that kind of anchor in our midfield. But if those two are playing and you want someone who's going to complement the front three, he's I think that's his position. I think he's the the most advanced of our three midfielders. He's brilliant on the ball. He's skillful. He can take on a man. He can run really really far without getting tired. Like he's just perfect for that role. And, and Willock, to his to his credit knackers himself out for 60 minutes and then seems to always sort of tail off towards the end of the game. So um, I think that's one where you might start seeing Anderson get 20 minutes, 25 minutes, 30 minutes, and and you'll get goals. If he, if he comes on and, and does that, you'll get goals. And then you'll start thinking, should he be starting? I honestly think that's the trajectory of uh, Elliot Anderson. I think that's how Eddie Howe does it with these players as well, isn't it? We saw it with Bruno. We saw it with, like, it's giving them a little bit of game time, seeing how they do, you know, nothing that's going to... Um, like destroy the game if if it doesn't work out um and and build up confidence in that way and you can see his confidence building you can see how much he's enjoying being on the pitch with the with the squad so i'm i'm really excited to see what he does next we haven't talked about that free kick at the end um norman why, why don't you tell us a bit about your day leading up to that free kick and how how you felt seeing fabian share take it rather than target or, or trippier who was the obvious well, my friend, I would also add Jacob Murphy to that. Can I just make a quick point on Jacob Murphy? If you remember, he scored a belter down at Wolves a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, just make true. a point on Jacob Murphy, whilst I remember. So the Tramia match, I had to work that evening, so I could only listen to it on the radio. It was on Radio 5 Extra. And the commentator, I shit you not, throughout the match, without once being corrected by Leon Osman, by the way, his co-commentator, I called him Josh Murphy every single time he was calling him after his brother. So if anyone at the BBC is listening, have a word. Um... <laughs> But I that free kick. The, the day itself, mate, was brilliant. I got the tune up with um, with Sean Orrick, who was who wrote the special, and he writes all the specials, I believe, now for True Faith. So if you are listening to this, you haven't subscribed to the special, get on it because they're brilliant. Um, the 
day itself, we got on a train at London, Marlborough Station, and the Premier League, in all its wisdom, had decided to put Aston Villa at home to West Ham. So you had a train full of West Ham, Villa, Wolves and Newcastle fans. Quite entertaining, very busy. A um, couple of drinks on the train, straight into the stadium. And I, as I say, we've spoken about the match, but towards the end, after we equalised, war fans really started to find the voice. The players seemed to just lift themselves even more. And, you know, we have the uh, maxi chance that I think... He puts a lot of power in the shot, but it's straight down Saul's neck. It's a good save. It's very unlucky. Uh, the Anderson chance, which we've already discussed. Um, and then right at the death, right at the death, where we were in the stadium, it looked like it was in the box. I don't know how far it was outside the box, actually. Do you? Cause it, didn't it, was, it, was, it was right on the edge. But we obviously, when it happens, you think, oh, chance we are changes this to a pen. Mm. But it was it was outside the box. The right, right, I mean, I, it, was, it was a... Fucking mental tackle for the Wolves player to do like yeah. really bizarre panic. behavior. Panic. Pure yeah, panic. panic. Because as, as you mentioned before, I think by the end of it, they were grateful for the point, right? Because they're a team that is really lacking in confidence. So that was just panic. And then you're looking into thinking, well, I'm thinking it's going to be trip. Yeah, Target's not one that popularly made because I don't recall Target yeah. having sort of centralish free kicks. You know, he's more of a, a kind of in swinger with his left foot. So a cross and like a free kick that is going to be crossed in. I could understand, but a shot, I'm not. Too sure I've ever seen him do that. Maybe he has. Um, I th- you're thinking Trippier, absolutely. And I was thinking, Fabian Shea's never done anything from a free kick as far as I can recall. And I did, as I see it, think Murphy could step up because he, he is all right at free kicks, you know. Um, but then Shea comes up. And again, it didn't show it on match of this. I haven't had a chance to see the replay. It didn't show it on the Sky Sports highlights. It looks to me like he just fumbled and stumbled a little bit. It kind of bobbled wide. And you're thinking, why is he taking it? However, on reflection, apparently... Trippier, and it did look like this in the stadium, by the way, for the last sort of five minutes, it looked like he was struggling a bit with his hamstrings. And I think one of the reasons I've read is that Trippier maybe was a little bit hesitant to take it was because he was quite, he's kind of worried about tweaking his hamstring further. There might be nothing in that, but I've read that and it kind of makes a bit of sense because ultimately, a free kick in that position, there is only one man to take it, really. That there were it was a corner or maybe two corners after and Target took them rather than Trippier. So I think he was, I think he was feeling his hamstring a bit. Yeah, he was definitely hobbling around holding it. Yeah. Um, the TV cameras picked that up. Um, I mean, Mighty Target's corner towards the end, by the way. Say, say again, Norman, sorry? Was it a terrible free kick, sorry? It was a pretty bad free kick. Like, yeah. Um, I, I thought Mighty Target would take it because it's to the right-hand side of the goal. I thought Target on his left foot makes far more sense after taking two or three excellent corners. So so where where Fabian Shaw comes into this? Yeah, like ahead of Fabian Shaw, I think Elliot Anderson, just because he's class. <laughs> I think um, ASM, you know, you've, you've just volleyed one in from 25 <laughs> yards yeah um but yeah i think we've seen there kind of who's the alpha in the change room there you know who who is the strongest man probably Shaw. who's the best person smartest man yeah, he's, he's very smart clever. he's very clever probably shy probably they all just deferred to him mm. massively when bruno's in the pitch that doesn't happen but he wasn't um let's talk about asm then we've done 34 minutes of this podcast and we haven't talked about his goal what's wrong with us you are probably asking yourselves yeah i agree what is saving wrong the with best us? till last no saving the best till last normal i come to you mate um again must yes, have please. been uh, unbelievable to witness live we me charlotte and si watched it in um, my living room woke up my baby were your celebrations similar? were your celebrations similar it was a whole new sexual paradigm, mate. I think um, I've never... <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. The, celebra- like, the celebrations were absolutely wild. Like, di- utter disbelief. I'm not like... There have been occasions, many occasions, where I've been in the stadium and, you know, it's easy to see. I was in disbelief. I was in disbelief. And no doubt I have been right. But right now, in this moment, I can recall yesterday, like, viscerally, and I'm not kidding you, 
mean this random or hugging because that's what you do, didn't you, at football matches. Um, and I, I looked at my arms and I showed him my arms and the hairs. I am not kidding you. There were goosebumps and hairs sticking up. Like that's how spectacular the goal was and that's how spectacular the celebrations were. And the moment it dropped, the moment that the ball dropped, like it, you're not even thinking about him shooting because it just happened so incredibly quickly and it just rifled into the net. And as I say, the moment it hit the net, it was, I don't know if you've, if you've got what I see on the match day podcast, mate, I haven't listened back because I detest listening to me on voice, to be perfectly honest with you, especially after we've scored, probably get a bit embarrassed, but I'd imagine there was a fair amount of squeals and a fair amount of Fs and uh, all sorts mm-hmm. of words like that, but oh my God, disbelief, one of the probably most spectacular goals I've witnessed live at a football match, I have to I have to say that, and I know I'm full of hyperbole a lot of the time, but God almighty, I mean it, beautiful experience. Thankful to have been there to witness it. Thank you, ESM. You was lovely, wasn't it? Brendan Rogers there. Yeah, it was. Um, it was my hero. It was. Uh, it was one of those goals that it, it probably won't get the the justice it deserves in terms of goal of the season content, content yeah. But it is that good. It is that good to to for him to travel onto the ball at pace. The ball's dropping and coming to him at pace, and he, he's hit it into like the side of the net. Like the keeper doesn't even dive. The keeper's actually putting an arm out to be like, well, that's wide. That's yeah. wide. I'm seeing the ball out of play. No, you're not. It's gone in the corner. And and ASM runs towards my dog Tendle. Nice little moment for he also two. He also like shoves Ryan Fraser out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Fraser goes over to like celebrate with him and he pushes him out of the way. Um, but yeah, w- what a goal. What a player. And it's his first goal since January, which is so hard to, to believe. Um, he, he deserved it, and it, that's it's kind of a nice little reminder of the quality that he possesses. Again, it, it's two, three assists last week, I think, because he wins a free kick for Trippier's goal. So three assists last week and a goal this week. It ain't bad, is it? Sorry. Yeah, he's in great form. He's in great form. He will never, he, he never has, and never will hit a ball as sweetly again for the reasons you've just described. It's very hard, but it, you know, it's once in a lifetime checked here at Evoli against yeah. Arsenal territory in terms of the the way it drops and the way he hits it and the way it travels into the net. What I will, just to be negative for a second, is say oh. is that I think that this was um, a little bit of a, an insight into where, where we're struggling at the moment, which is that Maxi and Miggy get lots of chances and lots of shots and they need to improve their, their ability to hit the target. Um, Maxi will, will hit another 99 of them and not score. Um, I'm glad he did and he scored like that, but um, he, he had four or five opportunities, especially in the first half. Um, and I, I, he was surrounded by defenders, but his shooting's pretty poor. He cuts inside, he scuffs it, he cuts inside, he goes near post, he cuts inside, it flies over the bar. Miggy as well, finishing-wise, um, he gets himself in some really good positions and lashes it over the bar or scuffs it at the keeper. And it's just kind of, they they both are capable of hitting these worldy goals. You know, um, Miggy against Palace at the end of last season was an unbelievable finish, but he's not going to do that every week. They need to start taking the easy chances instead of only scoring worldies once every four to five weeks. Just just my, my spin on it. I, I think um, we would have won that game comfortably if we had players who were a bit more able to just to, to score the easy opportunities. And uh, um, yeah, I don't know why I've, <laughs> I feel bad for going a bit negative, but that, yeah. that was my only reflection on that because those goals don't happen every week. It's got us out the, out the shit a little bit in terms of the, the timing of it. But yeah, unbelievable. It's, it's, it's one of the best goals I've seen. I don't disagree with that, but I also will say that I feel that we're in a place with our coaching staff and the way that we train, that that's something that will continue to be worked on. Like it might be the case that a year ago, a year and a half ago, you think, oh, well, it's just the odd fluke goal from like Maxi. Um, that's going to save us. 
um, they're never going to identify that that's a an area of, of like work. Whereas now I, f- I feel that we have strategic, smart people coaching our team that are going to try and work on that. So I don't feel like 99 times he's not going to get that because I feel that they're going to keep working on it. I'm just trying to put an optimistic spin mm-hmm. on size pessimistic one. <laughs> well, I'll start on a slight negative, then move on to an optimistic to to finish uh, to finish off my Indian part of the day. But um, the what I noticed yesterday, and this is the first time that it has really kind of gotten under my skin. I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's Miggy's absolute and utter lack of any kind of self belief with his right foot. It really, yeah. really came through yesterday. I think size point about. Miggy Sky in shots or, you know, not basically just not pulling the trigger when he's got the chance because he always tries to switch it on to his left. And yesterday, there were a yeah. couple of occasions where you're like screaming, just cross up your right. It, it's it's almost the ball spun across the box and it's just anyone with any semblance of a right foot is going to go and bang and hit it, hit it straight across the box with a right foot. And yesterday was the first time I actually found myself getting a little bit irritated because I've defended Miggy to the hill. I, I love him to bits. I think he offers a lot of the team, but ultimately... If we're a team that has Champions League pretensions in the future, top six pretensions in the very short future, short-term future, then we are going to need someone up front who can use both feet and use, you know, obviously strong on one foot, but on the other foot, still confident with it. Miggy isn't that player and absolutely they'll be working on it in training. No two ways about it, but I think there's, there's an there's an element of instinct there and instinctively Miggy doesn't want to use that right foot no matter what situation he's in. And it's very tough to to code that into someone, especially when they're, what, 28 years old, like Miggy is. Um, so it, it is a bit of a concern, and we can obviously see why, you know, they're trying to bring in maybe another wide player. Isak can play out wide as well, and I don't think it'll be an issue for him using both his left and right foot. And with the SM, to finish on a positive, I think the SM, you know, you put him in a situation where he has to make an instinctive decision to hit it. He will, as he did yesterday. You put him, I think, in a one-on-one situation. I think he's, he's capable of finishing. And... I think he just doesn't actually get that many chances at ESM because ultimately he is the player who's creating them, right? So he doesn't really get, you know, you look at someone like um, Harrison at Leeds who doesn't necessarily create many goals. He more or less plays in the same position as ESM up front, but he scores a lot more because he's the he's a person getting chances, whereas ESM, it doesn't necessarily work like that for him. So if we get seven goals out of ESM, I think that would be great because what he brings in terms of assists is going to contribute, you know, probably double figures. I agree, Norman, and it's it's not just Miggy, it's ASM as well. Now, ASM gets a, a free pass for two reasons. One, he scores the goal. Two, um, he was was essentially playing without a full-back yesterday. Dan Byrne was almost a third centre-back, and even Newcastle, in possession at the back, almost shuffled along to have a back three, um, where Byrne was receiving the ball from his centre-backs. So I'm going to give him a free pass. Very frustrating to watch, though, because Wolves, particularly with ASM, but on the run as well, Wolves were doubling up on them both, at least doubling up, and just showing them to the weaker foot. And we had no answer to that. We had no answer to that at all. It's frustrating to watch because it's like they know what's coming. They know we're playing wingers on both sides that don't want to use the their left and right foot. And we have to do a little bit better, I feel. And I know the manager's hand was forced with injury. Target played 45 minutes midweek. He comes on yesterday, maybe gently easing him back. But... When we'll play Liverpool on Wednesday, um, they they'll know what to do. Like Target has to start for me on on um on Wednesday. That's assuming, by the way, that Trippier and ASM now aren't almost out. It's become a real issue. This injury crisis. We've got to go to Liverpool, hopefully with Isaac, but also with 
you know, it looks like Bruno's out, but then definitely with ASM and Trippier to, to have a chance to get anything, we need we need those guys. Charlotte will be at that match. There'll be a full podcast after that on Wednesday night. Late one, of course, because it's an 8 o'clock kickoff and Charlotte's got to get back to a hotel to record uh, a meal too. Therefore, true faith. Um, we'll leave it there for this week. Thanks so much to you three and thanks so much to everybody for listening. Um, we're on Patreon. I keep saying it. Would love to have you along with us. Come and listen to us on there. Speak to you all very soon. Bye.